This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, Clock Dodgers? I hope you guys had a really good 4th of July with your family and friends. Speaking of family and friends, No Halftime has really helped me in becoming a fan of of sports like soccer, golf. I don't mean a fan because I've always been a fan of them, but I haven't really been so entrenched in them like I have been with stuff like basketball, football, baseball. Um, So I have to thank them for that because they have stuff like Euro championships or these golf tournaments and stuff that... You know, I'm doing those meanwhile, you know, waiting for football to come back. Because I know a lot of guys are telling me I'm waiting for football. Um, but there's so much to do to get your feet wet now. Um, if you use the promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K, I will get you $10 free instantly on the app. If you email them or tweet them and tell them Clock Dodger sent you, I'll also get you a free t-shirt. Um, this, this is what friends and family do for each other, right? And, you know, we just got out of 4th of July, so you know what that feels like. Um, so go ahead, support the podcast, support No Halftime at the same time doing so. Um, also, my other sponsor which is the podcast hotline kit shout out to Vinny. yo Vinny, what up man listen if it wasn't for Vinny's, you know wire and his hotline kit and everything that i have here i couldn't even speak to the guests i have on today which i was so excited to talk to her and you know for those who have a podcast or in this space or they have a radio show this this tool is you know something you have to have it makes it so much easier why do things a harder way when you could do it easier? Um, so get the podcast hotline kit, connect with people across the world, record it, and share it with the people out there that need to hear it. Because I need to get this knowledge, this entertainment, and get it out to my clock dodgers. And so Vinny has made that possible. So thank you, Vinny. Everybody, go to the website, and you can actually get a better deal on the podcast hotline kit than I myself got. It's on the right-hand side banner. Click that link and get a better deal than me. Can I play with it? Hey everybody, this is the Clock Dodgers Podcast, episode 28. I am very excited about the guest I have on the line right now. Uh, My guest is a filmmaker and owner of her own production company called Guardhouse Productions. Um, I could go on and on about what she's accomplished, but we'll save it for the actual conversation itself because it's quite interesting. Um, I'm very happy to welcome um, to the show, Saria Iacono. How are you today, Saria? Hi, Neil. Hi. Good. Uh, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. It's the weekend, so can't really complain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I mean, I guess we should start with this. For those who don't know, we were actually um, connected by Craig, Craig Talley. So, um, you know, he thought we could benefit by speaking with each other. And of course, after we spoke, um, I couldn't agree more with him. And so now we're here. Um, so I do want to thank Craig, you know, for, for connecting us before we even start this. <laughs> 
Um, now, Excellent. yeah. Now, um, so first things first. Um, like I mentioned, you're you're a filmmaker and you own your own production company. Um, I guess I, I want to. I guess it's best to know right out the gate here. Um, what got you started in filmmaking? Um, I, I guess when I say that, what I'm asking is, you know, was it a passion, you know, your whole life? Was it something you just figured out you had a knack for or, you know, did something kind of push you in that direction? Uh, that's actually a quite a good question. And um, I wish I had uh, discovered it earlier in life. But uh, no, there was a very precise event that did happen. It was in the early 2000s. Um, it was a, around a very sad event, actually. Uh, the events of 9-11 kind of spurred me on at the time. I was a flight attendant for United Airlines and had been for quite a while. Uh, and I had been based in New York City at the time of the attack. Oh, wow. And I uh, had known all of the, um, the crew members and uh, flight attendants and pilots that uh, were killed that day. And it, it really stemmed from that. I wanted to tell their story, and I wanted to uh, do it in a way that best represented um, who they were, their backgrounds, and... and you know, my viewpoints on uh, national security uh, from where I stood at the time, which was an internationally uh, uh, well-traveled flight attendant uh, for a major airline. And so obviously I had, you know, quite a bit of intimate knowledge going in and out of uh, airports and right. so forth and what I had seen over the years. So that kind of, that that's really the, the decisive moment. Uh, it, it didn't take birth until about uh, four years later, until 2005. Uh, when I founded the company, but it was a, it, it was it was a pretty quick immersion and and uh, you, you know self self discovery. I mean, I realized this was something that um, that I it doesn't feel like a job I loved doing. I love doing, right? And I just wish I had discovered it sooner in life. That's all. <laughs> Absolutely. So so you've been doing it for what then? A little over ten years. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I, I founded the company in, in 2005. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, that was a pretty uh, you know deep reasoning for you to do that. Pretty emotional reasoning for you to kind of get into this, and you know, that obviously spurned your passion behind it. Um, j- just just for you know, for those who are listening who who may not know of your work or anything right now, um, what what are some things um, that they can look up? You know, whether it's on the internet or anywhere that they can find some of your you know some of the stuff that you've produced, um, so they can kind of look at your work and see what you've done. Well, the major the major things that we have done is the is the film called Green Cards for Al Qaeda. It was a documentary about nine eleven and the events that followed and the nine eleven commission. We interviewed um, everybody from the nine eleven commission to uh, federal agents in the field uh, to family members of the, the uh, victims, um, so on and so forth. So it was a pretty in depth documentary. So from there, uh, we all worked with different networks. Uh, we have a lot of credits um, over the field. We have credits uh, with um, History Channel, PBS, uh, Discovery, uh, Travel Channel, uh, so on and so forth. So they, they, when we, when that's an interesting discussion. When you see when you specifically go to look for somebody's work, when a production company actually performs duties for um, somebody else, uh, what happens is is that they get hired independently, and that's a fascinating discussion. To right, have. right. Um, what what happens is is that typically in the film business, uh, and this is really kind of giving away inside uh, in the insider scoop to the business. Hey, well, that's what, what we want. We that's what we want here at Clock Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> right. What happens is is that essentially, let's say the Travel Channel wants to shoot a eight part series uh, on whatever it is. 
they have a budget for $400,000 for X amount of episodes, let's say it's eight. Uh, what they do is they then go out and typically they use companies that they've already used in the past, but they call it subcontracting. They, they, uh, what they do is they, they put out a bid and they go out and say, we need this produced uh, in this, for this amount of money in this time frame and to this specification. And, and, they, and you have to say, well, I can do it or not do it. Uh, and typically when you start out in the business, you'll, you always say you can do it right, <laughs> for that price. Right. Even if it means, uh, you know, very low pay, which that's the other misconception of the business. Most of these television shows that, that people see on TV, especially what they call reality or factual programming, is really produced for shoe, on shoestring budgets and for very, very little. Um, what happens is, is uh, you know, the networks have to gain a popularity following, have to gain advertising following. So for a good, a good example, and it's a terrible, I'm not, by any way, it means the shape or form promoting this. It, 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 the, the show Pond, uh, what was it? Uh, the, uh, the show on History Channel that was about uh, the, the folks in the pawn shop and they had history items coming oh, in. Oh, Pawn Stars? Well, well, pawn Stars. Yes, that's a good example of that. So this, this, uh, this company in Colorado uh, uh, decided that they were going to shoot that kind of a show. Uh, History Channel picked it up, and it was a 30-minute uh, episode. These guys had about $20,000 in their bank account total, so uh, all put together wow. to do this. Yeah, they went out, and it became a huge hit for History Channel. These guys now have probably about two $300 million in their bank account. Uh, oh, wow. So that's, right, that's the kind of money you, you can make. Now, obviously, not every show happens that way, but in, but in reality... When you go to, 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 to make a show for a TV, I, I especially uh, do, do, do television more so than film at this point. But we, and we've done a lot of shows. But you have, to, you have to understand that it isn't going to immediately make you money. Uh, you're going to be paid very little initially to shoot it and produce it. And in fact, a lot of television companies do 10, 12 different shows per year just to make a, a regular salary. Wow. So it isn't this glamorous life, this, this, you know, this movie star, this, you know, walking the catwalks and so forth. It's really hard work out in the field with 14 hour days when you're out there, uh, minimum, uh, to, to produce a program. And you have to be able to be financially in a position to accept a contract from a network when they're only coming at you and they want X amount of hours produced for, you know, a very typically a very low budget right. um and and yeah and that's typically how it works and so i did that for years i took contracts or companies took contracts to to go out and produce shows for uh different uh different networks and we might only take a portion of it there's so many different facets to the tv business that there's a there's a company that might come in and produce this portion of a tv show another company that does the actual production work, another company that, you know, finalizes it and puts it together. So it isn't, a, a, you know, it isn't like a, a completely uh, well put together, this is how it works all the time scheme. It happens to be different from every network. PBS is another very interesting um, uh, entity because we do a lot of factual programming. And what people don't realize on, about PBS is a lot of the programs uh, what happens on PBS is that a lot of the programs are actually where the filmmaker themselves have to 
actually pay PBS to get their programs on PBS. Interesting. People don't realize that, that unless you're Nova or Masterpiece or a regularly scheduled uh, series that they have, they are they take your programming and you have to literally pay for it to get on the air. A good example of that would be um, sh- uh, specials and series that they, you know, um, that they have. Uh, I think one was recently uh, called Dog, uh, from a group called Dogtown, and it was about homeless people. Well, they got their program, they got their documentary on, on PBS, but it cost them, and it always will, only because that's, you know, that's the type of programming that PBS likes. That's what they want. But PBS is a uh, not-for-profit organization. They don't have the kind of uh, money to, to, that the, you know, regular networks have. And so they pay for programming, uh, or you have to pay for They pay for programming on their program. And then a lot of times the independent makers uh, have to pay for their, you know, programming to and get on. Really quick. So, so, so yeah. really quick. If someone's paying for that, is that just kind of, a, um, you know, them kind of betting on themselves, hoping that they get attention from that, and then it turns into something bigger, or...? That, that is correct. That okay. is, that's what they do. So, so what happens is, is that um, they oftentimes, uh, and that would be, no, you, you have a correct assessment of it. Um, you, you're talking about uh, people that want to break into the business and or their network, their own programming would never normally get on a, a major network, but it fits the programming model that PBS has. Gotcha. So what they do, right. So what they do is they come in and they, you know, they have, you know, they, they showcase it to them and PBS decides, okay, you know, this is how much it's going to you know, cost you to come on, you know, for us to air for X amount of, you know, days and so on and so forth. Um, it, you know, sometimes they do a lesser fee, sometimes it's a greater fee. It just depends on the type of programming and the need uh, for programs at that time of year, et cetera. But there is no hard and fast rules in the television business other than, the one thing I can tell you across the board is it's not glamorous. It's right. really hard work. Um, and that's not for the scripted programming. That's not for the things that, uh, you know, NBC, ABC, Fox, that they uh, commission to be a scripted program. I'm talking more about the factual programming and historical or nature, science, um, or the PPS type material. Right. Gotcha. That's interesting. It's interesting uh, to see that side of things because, you know, obviously the people who just watch it on TV, they don't know what's going on, you know, in the backside. Right. Of it. So it's interesting to hear that. Um, now, I, I do always find it interesting, you know, we, we kind of before when I asked you, you know, what got you into this, into filmmaking, um, you know, I, I always find it interesting to find out where the source of that passion comes from, um, you know, kind of why it started, um, because many people have passions, but they don't act on it. Um, so what do you think someone who has a passion and maybe hasn't acted on it yet, not necessarily in film, but just in anything, um, since, since you're a person who who is a great example of someone who did that, um, what, what do you think, um, someone could do to become more motivated to take charge of something like that? Um, and rather than just forget about it. (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, I often, you know, wonder that myself and I think typically the people that make the most difference in life. Um, in, in their own lives and in those around them. Um, it, it is a fortunate and unfortunate conversation. Unfortunately, a lot of times there has to be a cataclysmic event in their lives that changes them in an instant. 
um, or uh, it, it could also be a culmination, but typically it is that. Um, you know, you often see these people in, you know, midlife, they've been bankers their whole life, and all of a sudden, one day to the next, they wake up and say, well, wait a second, what happened to my childhood and all my dreams right. and what I wanted to do? Um, and they literally will go out and become winemakers or sit <laughs> on a sailboat and sail. Um, you know, but, but typically it is a cataclysmic event or a life-altering or life-changing event that that happens to. Now, for the people that it doesn't happen to, you know, I have talked to many of those folks because even as in my travels as a TV producer and, and traveling the world as a flight attendant in my previous life, um, it, 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 I would sit down and talk to these people and they'd say, well, how do you do it? You know, it's so exciting. And I used to throw that right back and say, you could do that as well. Right, you right. You could do that as well. Um, 